Hey everyone, it's Brittany and we are on episode 86. Welcome to the Know, Like, and Trust show with Brittany Gardner, the podcast where we explore the world of personal branding and how to build your know, like, and trust factor up for ultimate business success. And now here's your host, Brittany Gardner. All right, everybody. So excited to have Sarah Weiss on today. We are talking all things pivot. And yes, pivoting is one of those terms that has been grossly overused lately. But Sarah breaks it down from a research perspective. She breaks it down from a marketing perspective that tells you exactly how you need to change things in your business, what kinds of new programs you might want to offer or shift with your current offerings, and ultimately, how to make the right move in such an unprecedented time. So I'm so excited to have her on the show. But first, Sarah is founder and CEO of Bixa, an award-winning market research firm that has guided hundreds of brands like Google, Capital One, IBM, etc. to laser focus on their customers so they can wow them with highly targeted, valuable products and experiences. She's also a best-selling author of Instabrain, The New Rules for Marketing to Generation Z. With that said, on to my interview with Sarah. She dropped some serious truth nuggets. Listen in. All right, Sarah, welcome to the No Like and Trust Show. I am so excited to dive into this conversation with you. Obviously, a whole bunch of people are changing content strategies, putting new information out there, and trying to, above all, be timely in what we're offering. And I was so excited when we were able to connect. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about where you're coming from, what led you to figure out you needed to change things up, and some of the things that you've learned along the way. Thanks, Brittany. It's so great to be here. I think the first thing that happened through this crisis was the recognition that I have a passion project that I run. So I run a market research firm. That's my primary business. But I also am working on a passion project. And it is a very large live event, a two-day summit for women in business. And it was scheduled originally for this December, which seems like it might be far away, far enough away that this crisis may not be going on in December. But what happened was over the past week or two, we've had a bunch of sponsors pull out, a bunch of exhibitors say, hey, I know I signed a contract with you, but I just can't pay you. And that made me realize, oh, wow, we need to reevaluate things. And I think a lot of companies across the globe right now are going through similar situations, maybe not live events per se, but all sorts of situations where they are, you know, seeing slowed income or canceled projects or projects in their pipeline that are not coming through the way they expected. This really is impacting, I think, a lot of companies, no matter what industry you're in around the world. And the thing that we did for the live event company is that we were like, okay, well, what do we need to do right now? We know we need to pivot, but how do we pivot? What are customers going to want? Because this is a new customer than they were even a week ago or two weeks ago or three weeks ago. I mean, even in a very short amount of time, customer behavior has changed drastically for our audience. So we said we have to do research, but we cannot wait two, three, four weeks to do this research. We have to do research today or tomorrow. How do we get it done in a day or two? 
And that's really interesting because I have heard so many people online, you know, all the Instagram influencers, all the business coaches that I've followed for quite some time, everyone's all of a sudden kind of on the same bandwagon saying, hey, everyone, you've got to pivot. You've got to give your people exactly what they need right now. But you make a really great point. How do you know what people need right now? Because you're right, me and my needs like very different than what they were even two weeks ago. My whole world has changed. I used to have you know X amount of time to work in a day. I no longer have that same amount of time because I have children in the house. And what I need in terms of support for my mindset, for my productivity is completely flipped. Yeah, absolutely. I'm in the same boat. I've got two kids under eight and it is way different trying to get your work done during the day. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's just, it's just it's an understatement of the year. It is almost impossible to do what you need to do with young children in the house. So it's interesting because, you know, you mentioned that people's needs have changed and and obviously I you know I just both discussed one of our needs. You know, we're we're both short on time to actually accomplish the same amount of work at this point. And then there's all these other people who maybe have a lot more time. I look at people like my sister who's single. She has a dog and she's like, I haven't seen a human in a long time. And I'm sitting here longing for just a few minutes of quiet. She's got the exact opposite problem. And while she's not an online business owner, I think so many online business owners are facing the same crisis, but in very different ways. Yeah. Or we've got another issue is, okay, my customers, because they're at home, they may need way more content from me and I have to create more content in the same amount of time or way less time. Yeah. That's a very different problem than something I might've expected. So that's where the research comes into play. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So what we did is we ended up going to our list of people who had bought early bird tickets for this event and also the list of people who hadn't bought tickets yet but had engaged with our brand in some way. And we contacted them and said, hey, we're pivoting. We have a few questions. Would you mind just hopping on the phone with us for 15 to 30 minutes so we can ask you some questions about what support we can offer you and what you would need if we end up taking this thing digital, if we end up going with a digital conference versus a live event. The problem with us is that with this specific example was that this event was supposed to be all about connection. And it's difficult to do that in a virtual setting all the time. So there are a number of tools out there to do that and things like that. But we were really interested to hear from our audience about whether they would want to postpone this or whether they would want to make this digital and keep it in 2020. What kind of content can we give them in the meantime or workshops or things that are valuable that they need right away? So within a day, we had conducted over 20 interviews and we met as a team, all the people who are organizing this, and we figured out a strategy. And we have shifted dramatically from one single live event with some, you know, pre-events leading up to it all live to a membership model because our research showed us that people actually more than ever now need accountability. They need group coaching. So accountability groups, coaching, they need continuous workshops. And then we are going to do the conference in a digital format in some way, some sort of virtual format. So it, it was a, a huge shift for us, but we were able to make that decision, an informed decision, in a matter of just a day. 
So I'm really curious about this because you're obviously talking about a team and while it's a passion project, you know, there's a lot riding on it, both financially and from a a time investment point of view, of course. But for the average online service provider, for the average online business owner, you know, maybe even people who wouldn't previously have called themselves online business owners, but now are because of our times, how would you suggest someone go about pulling off a research project like that without team support? You know, someone who's more or less on their own. Yeah, absolutely. You can do the same exact thing without a team. We are lucky in that we have a bunch of volunteers. I mean, they're they're not a paid team. They are volunteers who believe in this passion project and they had volunteered their time. So by team, you can certainly get your friends to help you if you're making 20 phone calls in a day, or you can really get results with just five or six calls if you know your audience really well and you know your your exact persona of your, your customer, you're contacting past customers. So you don't need to make 20 phone calls. We didn't know the exact personas and we had assumed that these personas, our personas had shifted a little bit. That's actually why we made so many phone calls. But you could do this with five or six. You can certainly see trends with five or six interviews. So you mentioned having good results with five or six if you know your personas and your people really well. And that's something I've talked about on the show in the past is knowing your best client intimately and and being able to almost predict the choices they would make. That prediction level obviously may go down in the middle of a global pandemic crisis. So this is still going to be valuable, right? Yeah. And that's, that's exactly why we raised our numbers because we were like, we're not sure. We're really not sure if the persona is exactly the same as it was two weeks ago. And what's interesting is that I'm reading all these articles about, you know, when will we go back to normal? When will we be able to go out of our houses and start doing things normally again? I actually think that normal has shifted. Even after this crisis happens, I think that our customer behavior will be different as a result of going through this experience. There may not be a, an old normal again. There's just a new normal. <laughs> no, I totally agree with you. I, I read a friend of mine on Facebook, and he's not in the online business world, but he he mentioned that he had two doctor appointments yesterday, both of which ended up being via phone. And he made the specific comment that I hope this is one thing that doesn't go back to normal because it was at least one of his appointments was a basic check-in based on the the languaging that he used. And he said, there's really no reason for me to drive 20 minutes, park, go into an office building, wait in a waiting room for another 20 minutes, see the doctor for five or 10, and then be on my way when I totally just got the exact same quality and amount done in a 10-minute phone call. Right. People are going to see how efficient virtual is for a whole slew of things, even grocery shopping. So many more people are using Instacart and Amazon Fresh and services like that right now. They may never go back to grocery shopping in a store. And I understand that. (laughs) So when you're talking about some of the shifts that you guys decided to make with this conference, obviously going digital was one of them, but you mentioned specifically that this conference was designed to allow women business owners to connect. And I don't know about you, but when I'm at home, whether I'm on you know, a Zoom group call for a program I'm in, or whether I'm just having, you know, a catch up with some girlfriends online at this point, you know, we're a few weeks into the crisis here. There's a subtle change or not so subtle change, if you want to call it that, in terms of connection. So how are you guys going to 
bridge that gap and ensure people still receive the same quality of connections? And then a corollary question there, a follow-up, if you will, would be how are you going to give people that experience of having, I guess, an immersive conference? One of the best things I've always felt with conferences are that I'm there. I've blocked my time to be here. I don't have my regular life distractions in the way. There's no child that needs bath time. There's no dinner plans I need to run away from my computer to take care of. And if you do this all virtually, you know, those normal life distractions are going to get in the way. How are you going to kind of hurdle over that so people get that connective quality? Yeah. Well, the first thing we tried as a result, we only did this research a couple days ago, by the way. (laughs) This is not something we did weeks ago and I'm seeing results already. But I am seeing results in terms of the connection because we basically the moment after we conducted these interviews, we were like, wow, people want to connect right now. They don't want to wait for this conference. So we set up virtual coffee dates for women in business could just go and sign up. We sent them out to our email list. If anybody's listening and they want to join these, it's womensworthsummit.com. But we send them out to our email list and they filled up within a couple hours. We capped them at five people per virtual coffee date and we had about eight of them per day on two separate days. They're totally filled. People are craving connection, I think now more than ever, especially with kids around the house and all the craziness that's going on. People are like, oh my gosh, I'm talking to another business owner or another business leader who's going through something similar. That's spectacular that you filled so many that quickly. I mean, they were free. They weren't (laughs) weren't paid, but they were free coffee dates. And we just wanted to get people together talking about their experiences. All right. So bridging the connection gap is probably not going to be as much of an issue as I maybe had guessed it would be. And I don't know how they're going to turn out because we've got one scheduled for tomorrow and then one next Wednesday. So I'm not sure yet what people are going to talk about, if we're going to want to talk about our experiences or if we're just going to want to talk about something totally off topic and kind of as an escape. I'm kind of interested. And from a market research point of view, that'll be pretty fascinating as well. Yeah, what that's going to be like. We also found that we did some coffee dates that were 30 minutes and some that were an hour and the ones that were 30 minutes filled up way quicker. Okay. So people want that connection, but they're not willing to fully invest their time unless they know that they're going to get something out of it or see it like moving in a direction. I don't know if it's that. I wonder if it's just you have a kid at home and everything's hectic and you're having Zoom calls and phone calls and it's just easier to fit 30 minutes in your schedule and it feels like self-care even if it's not an hour. Gotcha. Yeah, that's a great point. So I just put, and this is probably something that you deal with a lot with market research being your primary business, but I just put my own perspective on a question and result when that might've been an entirely different reason. Yeah. And I think that leads into the second point that I wanted to make with this, which is to empathize with your customers. I mean, for the time being, it's certainly essential to evaluate our offerings through the lens of content that feels sensitive and relevant to what your specific audience is going through. Like these virtual coffee dates, they were free. You know, if people are struggling financially, they're not going to be able to afford some big expensive conference. But hey, I'll totally go to a free webinar or a free coffee date or something like an inexpensive workshop, things like that. But at the same time, we're evaluating them based on what feels sensitive and relevant 
but remember that not all audiences are going through the same thing. So what's relevant to one person may not be relevant to another person. So as we were talking about, people are, are experiencing this crisis in a number of different ways. And we do have to empathize with customers and realize that there are many different personas. Even if it was one persona two weeks ago, it's maybe two, three now. Yes, that's actually a really good point. So from your own point of view, and something that I've also experienced, a lot of us with kids are suddenly time poor, if you will. And then there's other people who are at home saying, I've got more time than ever to work on content. I really want to dive into this one topic. Yeah, I have friends who are like, I was gardening yesterday. And I was like, you garden? I have a friend who was like, yeah, I stained my front porch. And I was like, "Uh, oh, you had time to do that? I barely had time to shower. Yeah. And those are very different worlds. So even if the person, you know, standing their front porch and the person who is just lucky to get a shower in between things at home now used to both be your target client, your best client, are they now the same best client? That's the question, right? Yeah. And they may not be. Maybe you are looking for the person who is starved for connection and that's your new ideal client. So from a business point of view, and as a brand strategist, I teach a lot on how to connect with your best client, how to build up that know, like, and trust factor. And I know what my answer would have been a few weeks ago. But from a business point of view, how do you make the decision to choose a new best client in our business as unusual new normal? We ask them, what do you need from us right now? How can we support you at this time? And we got really honest answers. Some people said you could have, you know, I need workshops on X, Y, and Z. And they gave us very specific things that they needed help with. Some people said, actually, almost everyone we talked to said, I need more than ever right now, accountability structures. If you could give me an accountability group to join so that I could keep myself accountable to the things that I need to get accomplished each week, that would be amazing. And we were like, oh, wow, we hadn't even thought of that before. So I think just asking the question and not in a survey, it needs to be a real conversation with people. If you're going to only, especially if you're going to only speak to five, 10, 15, 20 people, it has to be a, a back and forth conversation. So when you go into this conversation, let's, let's say you've time budgeted and have the capacity to only do 10 of these. What are you asking. Obviously, it's going to be back and forth and the questions will change as the conversation moves in you know, one direction or another. But how do you choose the correct conversation starter to get there? Oh, wow. I wish I had my interview guide pulled up. <laughs> so I did actually write an interview guide where I had a number of questions written out. Basically, I started with a lot of open-ended questions. So I would ask, how can we support you right now? you know, are you open to, I would ask a lot of open to questions. Are you open to a digital conference? Tell me about that or a virtual conference. Tell me about that. What would be the pros of that? What would be the cons of that? How do you feel about that? I asked a lot of feeling questions. I asked about what support you need. How can we help? What content do you want right now? What workshops would be helpful to you? And would they be helpful right now? Or would they be helpful a month from now once you get into a routine? Or would they be helpful in December when we had planned to do this conference? So I asked questions about the timing. I asked questions about service offerings. I asked questions about how we can support, which led to service offering questions. 
And by putting, I had a list of probably about 10 to 15 questions, but it was more of a conversation than reading a list of questions. Yeah, absolutely. So if we were going to alter those questions away from the conference, just because a lot of people, you know, are not planning a live event right now. I'm thinking back to my own experiences here. So two or three weeks ago, my two-year-old's in speech therapy, and I had to call and cancel a speech therapy appointment because, as it turned out, he and I were both sick, probably with COVID, and had to notify them, of course, and all that. And they said, well, why don't we convert it into a telehealth appointment? And I was sitting here like, okay, I have a two-year-old who can barely look at the screen for 30 seconds at a time on a regular day. Like, how are we going to make this work? And yeah, that was probably my first experience with a provider or a, a service that I, I pay for asking me, how can we support you during this time? And it was interesting because I felt like at the end of it, like, oh, they're really trying to still help us while also, you know, abiding by governmental regulations and just being safe in general. And I've now kind of used that particular experience that I went through as as a way of talking with other people during that. Like I've had a few sales calls in the last week or so, and I'm talking with those people like, what would your business benefit from most right now? And I've kind of put that one guide onto other things, but I'm curious what you as a market researcher would would tell the average business owner to start with and end with. I think if you can, especially if you're trying to sell your business offerings right now at this time, a lot of people and a lot of other businesses are struggling financially to buy. And what I've seen work well are a number of different collaborative type of opportunity, kind of new opportunities for things like generous pricing models, deferred payment plans, pay what you can pricing, things that will still allow you to sell confidently, but in a way that's sensitive and and relevant to what's going on. So selling confidently, to me, what I understand when I hear that is finding something that's, yes, sensitive to our time, like is, is what I'm selling relevant to what people are going through and have a need for right now, but also selling in a way that doesn't feel in any way, shape or form pushy because... I feel like right now, all of those quote unquote bro marketing tactics that may have worked for some people a month ago are not working at all. Yeah. You know, about two weeks ago, I sent out an email to my list, like when this really started, you know, when schools started getting canceled and we started getting really serious about COVID-19, I sent an email out to my list saying, oh my gosh, we've been cooped up and you're wondering how your business can pivot. I have a package for you to do three days of research. I can get you your research in three days, basically by using these type of techniques we've been talking about. I'll do it for you. My team can conduct the interviews for you and I will slash the price in half because I know everyone's struggling right now. And I definitely had people buy that package. About a week later, I sent an email out about our expert review at a pay what you can rate. And that got a lot of interest too. So I also think it's a matter of trying things and seeing what works in a low cost way. So I think low cost there is is probably the key for now, at least that might change again in another two weeks, who knows. But having a way for people to experience what you have to offer in a low committed rate is probably going to play a lot easier. 
So right now, if you right now go on to our website, BixaResearch.com, you'll see there's an alert at the top that says, you know, we understand everyone's going through COVID-19. And because of this, we're offering an expert review, a really quick expert review. We'll write your interview guide for you. We'll tell you exactly how to do this fast research. And we'll do it as a pay what you can rate starting at $250. So that's been getting some interest. And I think it it's just the fact that we're offering it at all that's getting more interest than the pay what you can. Like somebody can experience that, say, oh my gosh, somebody else can do this for me. That's amazing. And I don't even have to pay a lot for it. I did want to charge something though, instead of doing it for free, not because $250 is is a lot. It's not. I wanted to charge it so that they would actually use the information we give them. You value what you pay for, right? Well, I feel like kind of like a free coach. If somebody says, oh, I'm going to give you a free coaching session, you might not value it, right? (laughs) So I wanted to charge something. So we did pay what you can starting at $250. And we put a level at $250, $500, $750. Like you can buy it right now on this website. And what's interesting is that I had a couple of people buy it at $500. Even though the $250 was right there. Yeah. And I thought, wow, that's fascinating to me that they are supporting other small businesses and they're like, I can actually afford 500 and I know it's worth a lot more than that. So thank you. Also just a testament to like everybody in the world is going through this right now. It's such a global and universal crisis that everyone understands what people are going through, you know, if you're struggling in your business. Absolutely. So if someone that's listening right now were interested in this expert review, how would we contact you and where can we find you? Yeah, you can certainly get there on BixaResearch.com, B-I-X-A research.com. Or they can you can certainly contact me on any of any of the social medias. I'm on LinkedIn and Instagram. I do a lot of Instagram. So that's Sarah Weiss underscore. You can certainly get there too. There was one more point though I wanted to make before we end this call. And that was we need to forget the we'll wait and see strategy or the no response strategy. Ah, yes. I think that this is really something that's going to kill a lot of companies because this whole no response strategy, because as a company, you really have to have to acknowledge that there is something going on. And if you don't, you're going to be seen as your brand is going to be seen as non-responsive or slow or uncaring or callous even. That uncaring thing is kind of how I've felt on the receiving end, I guess. And, you know, we all made fun of all the corporations that started sending out the COVID-19 response emails like, hey, everyone, we're washing our hands. And we're all sitting here like, were you not washing them before? Shake elbows instead of hands. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like. That was one thing, but it's been really interesting that certain companies out there like have no public facing information regarding it whatsoever. And so for example, and this is something that we were talking about right before the show, I opened up, I I have a couple of online courses through LinkedIn Learning and I was like, oh, I love this brand. Let me go see how they're responding. So I opened up the LinkedIn Learning homepage of online training courses And the only thing that they had done on their homepage is to put a couple of courses on how to effectively telework at the forefront of the recommendations. But there was no other acknowledgement that there was something wrong. And I love the brand of LinkedIn Learning. I think they do a great job with their really incredibly produced training videos. I've authored three courses with them. Like I'm really sold on this brand. But I was shocked and horrified and angered 
by the lukewarm response. And I think that a lot of companies, they're going to lose customers by not responding because people are going to say, oh, that's not a brand for me. They didn't even acknowledge them, how, how callous of them. So your recommendation is whether you've got an answer or not, you need to put it out there that, hey, I am here, I'm experiencing this with you. And even if I don't have a solution in place right now at this very second, I'm working on one. Yeah. Or just say we've added an extra Instagram post or we've added a a list of resources. Even if you're getting that list of resources from somebody else, even if it's the list of CDC and WHO and you know WHO and all the NIH and everything else, those normal links that you're seeing everywhere. Even if you're putting that list out and saying, here's some extra resources in case you need them, that's a response. That's an acknowledgement that there is something huge going on that people are struggling, that your customers are going through something really different and horrible and people are sick and dying and you're responding. You're empathizing with that. Very good. Well, thank you, Sarah. I think that's a really great way to close this interview. We all need to do something. We need to know what is going on in the life of our customers and clients so that we can guide and support them. And we certainly need to be putting out there that we are here and we are ready to pivot right along with them. Absolutely. Thank you so much for for having me. Once again, thank you so much to Sarah for coming on to the Know, Like, and Trust show. I hope you enjoyed the interview as much as I did in person with her. If you, like Sarah and I talk about in the interview, are struggling with who your best client is today, which segment of your best client you want to move forward with during this very unique time period in business, I urge you to either check out Sarah's work or go to brittanygardner.com forward slash best client builder. The Best Client Builder is a new worksheet and training I put out there. It's only $19. It's there to help you figure out which best client is the best fit for your business, i.e. who can you most help right now in the most efficient way possible to give them a quick win and fill your business with happy, loyal, and paying customers. Until next week, have a great time and stay safe out there. 